Hello, and welcome to the Film 5.0 podcast. This week's guest is key grip Michael Koo. Michael's worked on such films as Speed, Fight Club, Spider-Man, and my favorite, The Hunt for Red October. So sit back, relax, and let's start the show. Get a, a spot doing... Uh, these commercials and you know here's a guy's going from doing million dollar commercials to he's got his own dog and he brings his dog over with a GoPro and he says hey I got to figure out how to mount a camera on my dog and so <laughs> he sat over here all day and we built cam we built camera mounts we built we built a suit for his dog out of foam core so we made little saddles and little things to go around his neck out of foam core and uh, and uh, and um, an elastic bungee. I bet the dog was thrilled. The dog had no problem. <laughs> the only funny. problem was is that no matter what, it's a bouncy ride when you yeah. connect yeah. to a dog. Uh, what kind of dog? Yeah, just a little, I don't even know, just a little dog. Oh, I thought you dog. meant like a golden or no, something. No, like it was that. a little tiny dog. So whenever he ran, it was like, <laughs> it was everywhere, all over the place. But it was fun. And he did the commercial. He used his wife and he shot it so that he could get other commercials that are really low budget. Like he did it, just him and me and his wife shot a commercial. And uh, he did it all, he did all the editing. I just mounted the camera wherever he told me and it was easy on the car stuff yeah. for his wife. But um, that's, that's one of the things, people use GoPros now and they use all these GoPro mounts and the one thing you see is everybody saying, well, you know, it's so shaky. It's like, well, yeah, well, it is shaky unless you get a, yeah. like, and, and, and people ask for suggestions on how to fix it and my, First suggestion is just hire a grip. Yes. <laughs> hire a grip. Stop trying to buy a GoPro and use GoPro mounts. Just yeah, hire stick a grip. It, and stick it on they'll, they'll tell them what you want. <laughs> I did a couple spec spots for cars because I like cars. And we mounted uh, cameras on uh, my Toyota pickup truck on his Saab, but we always had a grip. Like, mm. Oh yeah, that was the one thing we with needed. With the proper stuff. With the proper yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, all you got to do is go more than a foot away from the car, and yeah. there's nothing you can buy that's going to get yeah. that. Camera and this done. was all film, you yeah. know. So we're using two C's and thirty-five mm. threes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But okay. still, there's weight to it. Oh no, yeah, for sure, that's. But there was, we're, you know, we're sitting there budgeting and talking about that this stuff, and it's like, but we have to have a grip, you know. And and we would tell them the shots, you know, take pictures, say this is what we want, and this is what we have, and. And it all yeah, worked I mean, out. We read some of it in his garage. Yeah, but yeah. It, it worked. And it's fun when you yeah. get that yeah. up front. Like the on that on the I did a, a commercial where we had uh, three pickup trucks and we had twenty five cameras to rig, and on the three pickup trucks and they did a gas comparison thing and they all had external glass gas tanks, you know, like ten gallon glass gas tanks, so and so you it. could watch it go down and they would do drive all over the desert. We went out. Um, but 25 cameras were I said, well, I need a prep day for 25 yes, cameras. So we rig all 25 cameras, and then that was day one. We sh did all these shooting with them, and then we shot two more days with uh, just doing individual cars. And we just and it was me and one guy, my best boy. And um, <clears throat> so we, the next few days, the next two days were easy. And then the last day, they say, okay, we're going to re-rig all three trucks for the final thing. We're going to go up this dirt road up the this mountain and we're gonna and when we get to the four-wheel drive part of the thing 
And one of the big things is we couldn't use suction cups because they oh, didn't wow. want us to use any suction cups. I'm going, you know, that changes the whole thing. Why? Because they don't want us to mess up the paint. Remember, I don't know if you, there was times they went through that, right? Because yeah. the big suction cups will put a ring they in the might, paint yeah, if yeah. it's fresh paint. Yeah. But usually, but you, all you do is put uh, some material on the car first and it won't do that. And I tried to tell them, but they, no suction cups. So that made everything a nightmare, right? So it's now everything, at least they were trucks. Yeah. And we had a frame, yeah. you know, uh, to work with on a truck. So it wasn't like a modern car where it's all covered. Um, but then the last day they said, okay, we're going to re-rig all 25 cameras on the three cars. And I go, uh, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah. I said, well, I had a prep day to do that. Yeah. And they're all, oh, well, they wanted to how do long the, are you going to, I said, well, take a day. It took us like 10 hours. To so they wanted to do it at the same <laughs> they wanted day to do it shoot the, the next day. day. Yeah. Oh, and then right. only they didn't say anything about that up front. Yeah. I would have said, hey, you know, how we, we got to shoot this. At least give me more guys. What page is that in the yeah. script? Just <laughs> give me more guys. Page but they, they all sat and they all the whole company sat and watched us from six o'clock in the morning till about three in the afternoon. We didn't stop for lunch, nothing. And then we shot at the perfect time. It was a perfect, beautiful shot. It was a one-shot deal. Wow. But the the funny part about it is, we, they got they got all the trucks up there and they filmed on the way. But every single truck got wrecked on the way, <laughs> of dented or smashed into rocks because it was four-wheel drive. Uh, and and so every truck had was messed up in some fashion. Some of the cameras got ripped off, and oh we had my. to re-put them on. And far and beyond the suction cup. Far thing. beyond the <laughs> suction cup thing. <laughs> and then the cool thing was, is that the end shots, with the sun was setting, and we yeah. were in we were in Death Valley, so it was just gorgeous, uh, beautiful shot that they set up on top of this mountain. The sun was going down. Couldn't have been better. And they showed all our, our the rigs, which was kind of cool because they left all the the cameras rigged. So it was so it was pretty cool to be there for that and see all that. But it was like, oh, all that work we could have saved if we could have just used suction cups. So yeah. they didn't. So nobody envisioned that that might, if you're going to four wheel up a mountain that that might and happen. That road, I couldn't be yeah. believe because the trucks went up and filmed, and then we kind of just jumped in vehicles Following. and they, no vans, oh. but we jumped in four wheel drive yeah, yeah. because it was a real and going up we're like. There's no way. How did because the turns were so sharp and we had cameras all over them. So how, how did they get up? And sure enough, they'd taken off a few cameras and taken off uh, like bumpers got messed up. So they up were all MOS cameras. They were like yeah. yeah. I mean, given the time you had, you didn't, you, you didn't get to scout the road. You just nothing. You didn't assumed know, that they had some sense. Had about no it. yeah, <laughs> no idea where we were because we didn't scout that job. Yeah, it was it was at Death Valley. We just. Yeah, we never scouted. It was just I mean, about somebody did, but cameras. they weren't thinking. I actually <laughs> was a stunt driver. I'd never been a stunt driver in my life, but all of a sudden I was a stunt driver. I had two cameras handheld. Nobody's got seatbelts on. You know, you're driving down the road and we're handheld in when a car. When was this? We're chasing. Oh, gosh. Probably 15, 20 years ago. And uh, it was kind of fun doing the driving because I had to like, because uh, the trucks are just driving on the road like normal, but we had to create all these moves around them. And we were in some little tiny desert town and they had all the streets blocked and you would go off road in the desert to get around them. And, you know, the operators are giving, okay, let's pass this other truck over here on the left. And it's like, oh, it was fun, but it was yeah. kind of unnerving because you got people all of a sudden, you're in, yeah. Not in the comfort zone with well, people. Especially you're making it up and you don't have any communication yeah. to know what the other guy's yeah. doing too. Nice convertible Mustang I have to drive. It really? was kind of fun. But. Interesting. <laughs>
There's and I think the Ford won. The Ford had the best gas mileage. And, it, and it's an honest uh, commercial. Oh. It was interesting to see. Uh, it was interesting to shoot an uh, honest commercial about that. And actually so it was see. for Ford, but they uh, Yeah, they did. and they knew they had yeah. the oh. guess, bat, best gas yeah. mileage. So they did. Yeah. And uh, it was really cool to think of the idea to put external gas tanks that are, they were cylindrical tubes with uh, marks on them. Mm. And they had, of course, camera on every one of those showing the gas. And then they're there. showing all the different ways you can mm -hmm. use that. They did gas highway mileage. mileage. We did, a, you know, we did city driving highway out there, and then we did the four wheel drive in the desert. That's yeah, the, the highway one was the boring one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. That's yeah. up by the uh, the uh, Manson Ranch, right? No. Is Death Valley up there? Well, Death Valley. When you go to the Manson Ranch, Death Valley is right over it. Mm. Like you're up at the top. Like, okay. Because I. I've never I, been. I rigged two cameras. On oh, you haven't been there. It's she it's wouldn't really know. nice. He wanted to go to the Manson which I did, ranch, twice. and I was like, I'm not going there. That's too much bad. I rigged two cameras on the car, me, front view, and via me, me driving up with suction cups, so you could go all the way up, right up to the Manson Ranch. Mm. And it's you know I had a four wheel drive trip, but there was an LA newspaper guy that I ran into wanted to get up there, but he was he said it looked daunting and he was afraid so. I sort of, you let me, if you give me a minute, I'm going to and you can follow me. So he did. So I got him up there. He was writing a story about it, but because I'd been there before. But I just thought it'd be a cool video to take yeah. people up there. That talk. was with, when I worked on that, that was with Jeff Cronenworth. And what a wonderful, wonderful yeah, guy yeah. he is. I worked with him on uh, uh, Fight, Cl Fight Club. Oh, I think Fight it was Club. the first time I worked with him. That was, was pretty cool. Great guy. I'd love to keep, he, see, he had his own key grip. And he still, I, I probably works with the same guy, but I got, I got a foot in the door with David. So, but, and you get the opportunity. That's how I met Harris Savides was through David Fincher and then Jeff Cronenworth and uh, 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 Darius Kanji met. Uh, actually, Darius Kanji did, uh, did, did he do Fight? No, he didn't do Fight Club. That was Jeff. Darius did, uh, oh no, it was Zodiac. It was Zodiac that I worked with with Jeff, and Darius did did uh, Seven. Uh, and oh, boy, seven. Darius had his, because that's when David really pushed the envelope on dark. And and Darius would light the set, and David would come in and go, save that light, save that <laughs> light, okay, let's shoot. Yeah. And he'd be running around with his meter, there's nothing, there's nothing here. That's what they say, it's not about the light, it's about the light you can take away. So. Uh, wow. It's about the light you can get rid of. So. It was funny because as I as the years went on working for David, uh, the crews kind of changed around, and I would go. I when I came in, I was me and uh, my my rigging key, Larry Obi. That um, uh, we knew him. Besides his girlfriend at the time was his producer, Sion, and uh, so people would definitely kind of afraid of David, like don't want to bug him because he, he, he does, he's the kind of guy that looks like he, you don't want to bother him. Like, you know, he's very intense and y you look at him, you go, I ain't going over there and saying nothing. <laughs> but he, but our, our relationship was, was such that if I was anywhere around him within five feet, he knew I had a question. Otherwise I wouldn't be there. All right. So if he's, if I walked over and stood by the monitor, he would just go, what do you want, Michael? Yeah. What is it? And I would ask, and I, and he like, just, you just got to be direct. I would ask him a question. He would give an answer and I'd walk away. 
And other people have said, I've been waiting for an hour to talk to David. He just walks up and David says, what do you want? How do I get that? (laughs) One is (laughs) is don't hang around him all day. (laughs) He knows when you're coming. Yeah. Plus you have things to do for him. Yeah. Like you're, maybe you're not that guy. <laughs> but that was our relationship. That was about the, the most of it. And he, he's another pretty homophobic. The, every picture I have of me and David, he's winching like this because I got my arm around him. He's like, oh. <laughs> Some people don't like to be touched at all. David's like, one of those yeah. guys for sure. David and Jan, two yeah. smallest people ever. Yeah. If you put your arm around him, they get really small. Who's that one actor that the ball headed guy does the voice show? He's one of the judges. Oh, Howie. Howie's like that. Yeah, he's a germaphobe. He doesn't he's like it. Oh. He, he won't shake your hand or anything. So he doesn't like it. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's some people only fist pump, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I just say most of the people that we worked with were, you know, they were. I don't remember any bad. I mean, I remember a couple of actors, but I'm not going to say it here, but that I didn't. That were pretty rough. No. Yeah. I like the good ones. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because working with the, uh, I want to say, seasoned actors, they really, uh, they they stand in for themselves a lot of times, you know, and it's, uh, I'm trying to think of her name, uh, Warwick, uh, uh, when I was doing Charlie's Angels and we were doing a spinoff where... And they, instead of having a guy, Charlie, they had a girl and, and three guys. And mm. it was a spinoff. And, and uh, she did The Big Valley. That's that actress I'm trying oh, to remember. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, and, and she, so we're doing the, the, the three girls, we're doing their shots. And, of course, she's standing next to camera doing her offstage dialogue. And we get her, it's like we do the girls three shot. And it's time to do her close up. And she stayed in and stood in for herself the whole time, and she and and sat and told stories and uh, yeah, that's cool. And, and it was really fun. It was really some, some of the older actors are better at that. Yeah, in terms especially because they have things to talk yeah. about. So. But it came time. She says, "Okay, we're all lit." And she says, uh, "And the first AD says, okay, let's get the girls here.'" And she says, "Oh, she goes, just leave the bimbos in the trailer. Put the stand-ins there. I'm happy with that." <laughs> <laughs> the bimbos. I mean, it's like, oh, that's awesome. You're right. Some, <laughs> some people, it's like, they're too big. They don't want to stand in. They don't want to, you know, be the one standing next to the camera. They don't want to do off-camera They lines. don't want to do off-camera I mean, lines. the pros will do that. Some of them don't want to do that. Some of them insist yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. Insist on it. I mean, I would and, think you'd want to because they're playing to you. Yeah. I mean, you're part of this. Whether you're in it or not, they're acting right. to you. And it's a professional courtesy. Well, that. But, but I, I think uh, the point is, is I think that was more professional security in the early days of film than there is yeah. now it's not maybe yeah. now it's like uh all about your trailer and your base yeah. camp and uh make sure you got your fiji water and uh, my daughter when she was about 12 my oldest daughter we were doing a film and um uh, was with teenagers uh, dutch actually and um because of the time the eight hour thing the kids were young the kid that was on the other side of the scene with the main actor had to leave. You know? So he had noticed my daughter was hanging around. He said, well, just put her in and let her play the other part. So she did the off-camera stuff. 
I mean, to this day, she's thrilled. She's not in the yeah. movie, but yeah. she did the off-camera lines for him, and it was great to see. You it. see that happen every yeah. now and then with people, yeah. and it's pretty. It's cool yeah. when that yeah, happens. It cool. It's cool when they can pull it off. I, it I got asked to be an actor a couple of times, you know, because people missing or something, or hey, we need somebody to do this part. I could never. I never. It's like no way. Happened to me twice, oh. and I couldn't do it. Uh, On uh, the with the scene with Bobby. Um, on uh, the two brothers in the South, uh, James Earl Jones and Duvall. Oh, yes. They wanted me to be a Chicago policeman with Duvall. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I, to this day, I think I could do it today. I'm, but at the time, I wasn't comfortable with it. But I think I could do it today. I could do it. Oh, well, yeah. But, I mean, the, I've been asked a couple of times to do just stuff like a line. Or I got to sit in a car with it. the director. <laughs> that was pretty, that was on George of the Jungle. And I, I was like giving that uh, movie when it came out to all my friends and family. And they were like, yeah, okay, it's one of the movies you worked on. I'm like, no, but I'm in it only for a brief second. second. But it's it's the director and myself giving a reaction look. And I, I told Steve when I got done, I go, that's never going to be in the movie. And he goes, no, you're, you're crazy. With you're with the director. With the director. Yeah, you're you're going to be that. in it. They're not going to cut it because of you. He's in the movie. <laughs> and it is in the movie. So. Yeah, I don't think I could ever, I don't think I, I could do it. Oh, I'm sure I couldn't. I just tried to do a publicity thing for a friend uh, to push a piece of equipment he has. And uh, oh. He was saying, "No, oh, don't write it. You know, just do it off the cuff." And it's like, I wish I could, but there's too much technical stuff, yeah, and oh, I got to yeah, put yeah. it down. So I put it on cue cards, and I rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. But you, it's so hard to just do it without, like, without being reading it. Right. Yeah. And it really, I, I learned something that the words, your natural wording that you would use as a person to talk, if it's not written in that fashion, you get stumbled up on the simplest little word yeah. because yeah. it's not your rhythm or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it, that's what I noticed. Is, we worked on um, Rocky and Bullwinkle, and we were blessed enough, I think, to have Carl Reiner as one oh, of the, that's right. the he people. Was, he was in one of the scenes. And we were waiting on certain... Big table like Yeah, this. so uh, he was sitting there and said, may I, may I ask you a question? He said, sure, sure. What, what do you, I said how do you write dialogue? Because you did Dick Van Dyke and you've done a lot of shows. And he said, I write for the cadence. I really try to write and listen to that person, watch another movie or watch a TV show with that person and write for their cadence. So now when I write, if I have somebody in mind, I write for their cadence. And it's, it's allowed me to watch and really look at that because you're right. There's certain words you wouldn't say right. and there's a certain way you would say things. So you are right. You could write it, and it's just not going to be the same. Yeah. You can't think off the top of your head because you're, you're a technical guy, and you're thinking about other things. Being in front of the camera is not one of them. Right. Talk about stories. What? Carl. Oh, Carl, well, he had... I mean, once the, the door the was open, was uh, around. he was yeah. delighted to be back on a movie set once, and one, and then she opened the door, and... I mean, it was amazing. He's yeah. such a great guy. Yeah, and we were down for quite a while for some reason, and the and whole he just crew told just, stories about everything he'd ever done. I was just happy as a client, and yeah. then I ended up finding out where his house was, and I didn't stalk him, but just to know that I know where his house is <laughs> was like that's cool. And then I follow him on Twitter, but he's such a giving person, and as we talk about in doing this podcast, the stories. Yeah. 
Jonathan, you ever Jonathan Winters? Yes. Art? Jonathan Winters, gosh. Worked with him. Too. We worked with him too. Crazy, He's, right? And Robin Williams is the same. Not as bad as Jonathan Winters, but uh, Jonathan Winters will just stand there and go right through lunch. You know, he's yeah. like he'll just stand in one spot and, <laughs> and keep though. going. Uh, <laughs> for Robin, it was the the bigger the crowd. Uh, if it, it, the, if it was just a few people in a room, he could just go in there and do a scene. But if all of a sudden there was fifty people. Then it became he had an audience and back to stand up. Yeah, yeah. God, it was so funny. But it, that's that's why he was doing what he did, and that's yeah. why he was. Jonathan Winters was a he's a marine, and Pappy talked about that. But he wanted to know how many marines were on the set on the crew, oh. and I was one of them. And we did. A, he wanted a group. We have a group picture, picture with the people. There was like five of us. All the people that are marines. I still have. I cherish that picture. But he, he just wanted to know who the marines were. I want a yeah. picture with them. So we had a picture of all the marines, and t- you know, and the director was like, "Great, go on. Yeah, man, it's one of my thing. favorite photos. When I worked with him, his wife was there, and she was his uh, leash. I think it was his wife or somebody that took care of him because she would come drag him away. Like, okay, we got to go. <laughs> Enough is enough. He didn't have anybody yeah. like that. Really. No, he didn't have anybody like that. And then uh, later on, I went and I was staying in Montecito at someone's house. And I had heard that he used to hang out the, at the hardware store. So I had to go to the hardware store, and there he was. Two and I was like, I said, I don't know if you remember me. And he, oh, yeah, yes. I don't know if he did. But it's like Mayberry sitting at the hardware store. Yeah, it was great. And I don't know how much time left. It didn't matter. I had nowhere else to go. And I was, I'm soaking this up. He came on our set. We were building, we did some track. We didn't need it to be all the way around. It was like just, we're standing on this intersection in the middle of nowhere. We're going to go around just to see where he was at. And he came out and he called the DP over and he said, Tom, look. He said, I know that I act for I asked for a whole circle of track, like, and he said, "This is not a whole circle." <laughs> he said, "We're missing a piece of track," and he went into a big thing about. First, Tom thought he was serious, but he's like, "He says I paid for a whole circle. <laughs> I'm not getting, getting it." He just went on and on. Everybody was crying. And everyone was just like, "Yeah, he standing says, Where's back." Where's the missing piece? This is what I asked for. <laughs> and every scene, or every time he was on set, it was the same way. Everybody just got. Just, oh yeah, yeah. We're like what, a kid. What's he yeah. gonna say now? It's only, yeah. Uh, Barbara Stanwyck? Barbara Stanwyck, yeah. yeah. She was awesome. Was she? Oh, That's amazing. When she said, leave the cunts in the trailer, just put three stanwicks <laughs> there. That's good to hear. I, I like it to hear. Just, just the, the crew was just like... That's awesome. <laughs> right? I love to hear when those people are. You want and they were nice PC and, back then. They, they didn't care. I mean, you want them to be nice, and when you hear that, that's a good uh, thing. Well, Steve had worked with what? Rita Moreno. Oh, God. The um, three ladies. The three there. ladies on this one movie. And uh, I didn't work on it, but he would say, You're missing well, one, one of the best. One of them played Martin Clinton's mother. I would Claire say. Bloom. Claire Bloom. And they were amazing. Rita Moreno, and then the lady that was on The Nanny, right? The one that played her mom. Yeah. He played her mom. But Rita Moreno was, I mean, they were, no, it was Chiquita. Uh, uh, oh, that's right. I'm uh, sorry. What's her name? Uh, she was a dancer. Yes, I can't think of her But name. Claire Bloom was amazing. She was amazing. And they couldn't have been nicer, and they were just happy to be there. You know, they were pretty much at the end of their careers. And they, I'd love to write something with some of the older actors. Oh, that's what they did. You? They wrote it. Yeah. They, they wanted to, they were, they played the mothers of these three girls that were trying to make it in the business, but they were their dead mothers, and they were like ghosts. You know where they would come, you know, and talk to them when they encourage them. But 
they were amazing. It was just amazing to work with them, just to meet. They're them. starting to get some of them together again, yeah. making you know okay. these little, you know, little movies with the big actors in it, playing yeah. you know buddies or whatever, and doing stuff. And it looks so oh, yeah. fun to work on those projects. You know, they don't. They're not big giant money makers or whatever. They should be because of who's yeah. in them. People yeah. forget. Um, people forget who they are. Though. When I worked on uh, Mars Attacks and watching yeah. Jack Nicholson <laughs> yeah. play those different parts, you know. <laughs> That was a great movie. Uh, it's just, yeah, he just, yeah. Yeah, I've done three films with Jack. He's great. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, he had prosthetics and stuff, and he played a casino owner and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I remember that. that. That's right. And, I remember and, that. It's yeah. just to, to watch him come in as the character and, and you know, it tur- just turn it on. It's like, wow, well, it's just... Yeah, that was funny, the casino. And, and you know when an actor is, like, having a good time with things, yeah. too, right? I mean, you know when they come in and they're like, okay, they do their part and they leave. But you know when they're dressed or doing something and they like it, the whole room and everybody in the crew is like, yeah, they're digging this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see Jack doing that. And he played the president. Yeah. The scene where he gets killed, I think, was spectacular. Uh, just the whole... And, you know, such a goofy movie, Mars Attacks. It was. Uh, ack, 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 ack. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the movie I remember. What was the, the, the weirdest part is, what was, the out, what was the record that killed all the Martians? The music. Uh, the, the old Western, uh, yeah. uh, like, yodeling kind of song. Yeah, I can't remember. What was I can't remember the they name of the song. But they, they drove town. around with the music playing in town, and it made their heads explode. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's just like. It's, it's genius. <laughs> I can't, now I can't remember what it was, but that's what a genius piece of yeah. writing. It's like, it's not going to be water, or it's not going yeah. to be ass. It's going to be song. It's yodeling. A country song or something. Yeah. That's pretty funny. So. All right, I have Indulgence of more uh, Hunt for Red October. Oh, being okay. my One of my I have, favorite. I have, I have when really, you said that, you, I was like, you know, it's Sean Connery. Um, how is he? He, he's really, I mean, once again, to watch somebody act, just watching him do an eating scene is is amazing to watch he doesn't even have to talk just the way he he's always eats, watching and looking too isn't he, he it's just amazing to watch him act because he's just so good at it and and the things that he does because uh, he's in the scene he doesn't he's not eating the way he eats lunch he's eating as a character and he's eating in this fashion that it makes it interesting to think, watch him think eat. Think about that, though, if you were And I'm like, that, wow. Yeah, how do he's you do like, that? <laughs> it's really good. And he hated Jan de Bont with a passion, the cameraman. So that made it really, uh, made it really difficult. Because yeah. Jan wanted smoke everywhere, and Sean didn't want smoke everywhere. So it, got, it was really, once Sean saw that tube, he told the special effects guys to get it out. Then Jan would go out. He would go out. He went out and took the special effects smoke tube and hooked it into the air conditioning. So every time Sean asked for the air conditioning, it would smoke it up. Oh, <laughs> and he asked for the smoke of the air conditioning all the time. So smoke, and he couldn't figure out how because he didn't see the smoke tube. But Jan had gone out and put it in the air conditioning tube. So that was funny. But we were doing a scene where we're running, uh, we're, we're we're chasing uh, Sean Connery through the. Uh, through the submarine, and the submarine has uh, steps at every doorway. There's like a one foot high step you got to go over, and so we're ha- we're running with the dolly, and we of course have to build track up over those wow. steps so it's elevated, and so uh, and we're chasing Sean Connery down, and as he's running in front of us, and and all of a sudden Jan yells cut 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 because something went wrong. He's of course the operator, and he, when he yelled cut, he stood up. 
and he hit oh my god he hit and in the submarine it's like it's Doink. like somebody just pound yeah hung in the submarine Ouch. and i i literally went under him you know because i'm because he stopped because he stopped and he went over my and i went under him and everybody was over there, uh, uh, you know, helping Jan get up and fucking hell shit, you know, his favorite line. <laughs> and, and Sean Connery stood there and he, he was laughing <laughs> so hard. And it was so out of character to see the real Sean Connery. Just, he was in hysterics and he could not, he loved every second he of made that. made his pain. His yeah, it was like, oh, I thought wow. he wanted to shake my hand for no <laughs> Nicely done. It's like, Michael, what the hell are you doing? It's like, well, you can't stand up in the middle. Like, the yeah, shot, really. you know, <laughs> It's not like you said to stand up. He did it. Oh. So, God. okay. Uh, so that had to be a German, I mean, a Russian sub. It, uh, also, uh, did he play the Russian? Uh, it was. But, but it, it was, all took place yeah, in the it, Russian sub, except a very small amount. Well, it was part of, a lot of it was a set. That's what I uh, thought. The big, the big nuclear sub was a set. That was the not the Russian sub. That was the American, American sub. sub. Um, but we did have a, the Russian version of that as well. They were all on gimbals, and uh, and where did you shoot that? Uh, Paramount. A Paramount. Well, then you took the thing out in the water. That's, out in the water, that's sank, where it right? sunk. Where it's, well, it sunk the uh, it sunk a tugboat right that connected the cable. Oh, no. uh, that was a really great. Uh, yeah, it sunk a ship, uh, 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 just a, a tugboat going by because the tug was towing the set, but it was towing it on like a, a really long cable, like a half mile long cable and or that's something. Out here in the, the yeah. It was yeah, it was yeah. right here out, out off uh, in. Uh, so it's pulling the top part of the sub. It's pull yeah, it's pulling a set piece, just okay. the top part of the okay. sub, the con tower, I think they called it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was just pulling it out to position it, but and another tug went over and caught the cable, and it pulled it underneath. It pulled it underwater, oh, right? It and it set. drowned. It, it drowned. Pulled. Not the set, the tugboat that ran over the cable. It pulled it underwater oh, it and drowned. That? Yeah, drowned oh. the people that were in the tugboat. Oh, oh, oh one of the people, I think. Yeah, because so I heard horrible. that the set sank at one point too. The set might have, you know, I that see that was all maybe a not part. I, was that second unit? The best part. A lot of it was second unit. Oh, yeah. um, that was my first, and I think I rode in a helicopter twice. That was my first, and they came to pick us up at the studio in a helicopter. Me and the DP, the camera operator, and the first assistant, and uh, the director. And we got in a helicopter, and we flew out and landed on the set. The dolly was set up with a jib arm. With Sean Connery was already out there, and we oh. did the scene. I have pictures of it, and we went out there and did this one. We we dollied with the camera like we were coming down the ship, you know, and we, you know, over the hull, staying real close, and then into him, uh, big dramatic move, and then we did that, and then we got back in the helicopter and flew back to the studio. Did he? <laughs> was, did, he did he go with you? No, Sean Connery. I think he had his own helicopter oh, yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. We did, that, we did that on, uh, for, on Lethal Weapon 3, if you stay till the credits are over, they implode, they implode a building. Because we imploded oh, two buildings. God. One we did at night that I told you about. Mm -hmm. And then we did a second one during the day in Florida. And, and it was an exact duplicate of the first time where they kind of screw up de-arming a bomb in the, in the parking structure. And so if you stay to, at the credits are over, they play this additional scene because they filmed it and they didn't know what to do with it. But it was just a duplicate of the night explosion during the day. And they got, they put us in, in a, a Learjet 
in the morning at, 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 in Burbank, flew us there. The, all the cameras were all set up. Everything was set. The actors ran into the building, and they they run out saying, and and uh, uh, and he's hitting. Uh, He's like beating on his back, not again, not again, and as they're running out of the building, and then that building implodes. It's like the same thing happened at the beginning of the movie, happens at the end. And then we all pose for a picture on the imploded building. And what was really cool is uh, on top of the building was a flagpole with a flag, and that flag was still standing up, and we took our uh, crew, uh, photo? crew photo in front of this flag that stayed standing mm-hmm. up, and then we went back, got in a, and landed here. 9-11. It's like, thing. like it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. That's you know? crazy. The tower in 9/11 fell like that when the pole was still standing. Yeah, the flag was. There standing. was one camera we had mounted to uh, the stairs leading into the building, and we just uh, attached it to the handrail, you know, that you would hold walking down the stairs, just so that it would, you know, if it got hit or something, it would stay up as long as possible. And this slab of cement, the set of stairs, as the building came down, it just moved, it just pushed the slab of cement out into the street. And it was like this beautiful dolly shot <laughs> of the building coming down. And it was just, the building was just pushing the slab of so cement. So the camera was on the, the camera was on the slab of cement, <laughs> this dolly back. It was a gorgeous shot. They put it accident. in the movie, too. Yeah. Never planned that in the movie. Happy no, accident. Yeah. yeah. Along oh with God. the flag standing up. Like, how did they do that? The, like, <laughs> yeah. But it was so weird to uh, to be when you get to be part of that those the people that get on a helicopter and go do something or getting in a Learjet and flying you and then flying you back and Joel Silver was there flying and being around Joel Silver is a whole experience and a half it's really a fun uh, it's it's like you're watching a movie you know the whole the whole uh, I want to say act but it's not an act because he has the Joelettes you know all then cell phones were pretty new not not too many people had them but all those girls were constantly on cell phones and and Joel was there running and it's just and he he wears those big like muumuu things and he waves his arms a lot and has a lot of a lot of a lot to say and everybody just listens you know I went to we, I, I did a, a he did a, a pilot uh, for for a television show at one point, and uh, we never had a production meeting. It was like a really uh, not a bunch of great people doing it, but not doing the job they usually do. A bunch of feature people, and Joel had them do this pilot, and uh, we never had a production meeting. And at the we we were all done shooting, but we were way not done filming. You know, I mean, we had a lot of all the stunt stuff still left. And I, we go to this production meeting with Joel, and, and everybody's sitting there not knowing what the meeting's about. It's like, well, we're going to have a production meeting, and the meeting and the job's all, it's over, basically. <laughs> we're done. post <laughs> And he comes in, and he, and, he, and he paces back and forth, and he's angry, you know, and he says, uh, listen, he says, we're not spending the studio's money anymore now. We're spending mine. And then he went out the door. That was the meeting. <laughs> 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 okay. So how do you take that to the bank? Oh, it's we like, went. We went back, and we were working nights in San Pedro. So we go back that night to start doing car chase stuff and stunts and all this stuff. And we worked that night, and then the next day they called and said, "Don't come to work. We're finished." And we had, you know, we just didn't finish the. I don't know whatever happened. Parker Kane. Parker Kane, I think, was the name of it. But I don't know what happened to it. But yeah, there's a lot of things. Sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. No. That just goes goodbye and you go to the next one. Yeah. Well, what did we, um, somebody made a comment this week uh, that John Goodman says, uh, even that limousine you're in is rented, everything's rented, everything's pretend, everything's going to change. 
Yeah. You know, he's talking about the glamour. And the glamour. Even, yeah. the, even the limo that brings you to the award is ridiculous. Yeah. Like you are. Yeah, everything changes. Sounds like a John Goodman uh, thing. It's little. good to hear actor stories when people always want to hear from me, like, who do you really like? And I say, well, actually, a lot of them. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's hard. It's hard. hard to say. Yeah. There's only been a couple, a couple that, yeah. and I won't mention them. There was one particular, but there's only been a couple that rubbed me, but most of them are really pretty cool. Well, yeah. they know what jobs we have and how hard they are. I really do think so. And Well, but they're just... But they know that we're working as hard as they I are to so. make it right because I mean, everything's about them. You know, mm-hmm. for them to create what they need to. I mean, the bottom line is they're people, like you know, like like everybody else. You know, their job is harder than ours. I think. You know, like I respect what they, like you said, when you when you're on a when you see a scene, like you know, when I did Terms of Endearment, and the, when the little boy comes in when Deborah Winger's dying, and they didn't rehearse any of that, and he's like nine. And he comes in and he just breaks down and cries, like, and saying his goodbyes to her, like, I goosebumps. And I'm, you know, when he laughed, everybody was like, and Winger looks at us and she goes, fuck, <laughs> like, it's a him. Like, you know, I've got goosebumps even remembering. Like, we were like, she's like, I don't think we need to do that again. Like, yeah. the kid was amazing. And like, yeah. when you see that, it's like, holy yeah, shit. Those performances. And he's like nine years old, but she was like, oh my God. Like, well, that's the other way I feel really lucky is that. You know, I've read the script, I have the sides, but then that actor comes out and he or she gives them a performance that you're like, those words and that. Yeah, a little different than when I read it. <laughs> yeah, totally yeah. amazing. And you get to appreciate what's yeah. in front of you and who's yeah. in front of you. And, you know, sometimes it, it was just nice to, when there was a break in action or something was going on, just to sit back and look at everybody and take it all in that yeah this is where you were well that's what you said it when you really would encourage people not to go out and get on to watch a scene because then that's where yeah yeah you can yeah yeah it's the best part that's even you, even watching uh the stunt guys you know uh appreciates uh what they can do and stuff yes. it's pretty amazing yeah um and what they will do, yeah. <laughs> not just can do, but yeah. that they're willing to do. It's yeah. pretty impressive. So I, I enjoy that. I enjoy watching other people do what they do best. You know, I feel like my part's kind of boring compared to uh, you know, an, somebody that can show off at the at the time. You know, it's no showing off, setting the flag or anything yeah. like that. But um, I have had people come up, and it's always uh, usually when. Uh, when I'm the most frustrated, when I have to build something that, that I know I could build way better, but I just don't have the time or the stuff I need. And, and, and that's when it gets to, uh, like, the Internet site shitty grip rigs. You know, people post things on there. I didn't know there. about that. Yeah, there's a shitty You don't want to be rigs. in there. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, you don't want, it's like, and people are, you're always, don't take a picture of that. Please don't take a picture yeah. of that. But um, it's amazing how many people will come up and say, God, you guys just whipped that out. That's so great. That's awesome. It's like, uh, what? Okay. No, that's not very good. <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay. And they're like, what? Because yeah. they just don't know. They don't know. They don't know. They have no idea that that's a really bad rig. They just know that you just pulled it out of your butt, you know, in the last five minutes. And you're like, you had okay, to make something happen. That's a different, I mean, like, like <laughs> what does Doug Ryan always say? Everybody has their own reality. Yes. <laughs> you know, like they, in their real world, that's pretty cool. In yeah. your world, it's like, well, I could have done better. Yeah. 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 Well, in our world, it was, you know, sometimes Steve or somebody would pull focus and something else would happen and the director would look at him, do you got, do you have it? Yeah. Like, wow. You know, 
but it's knowing your craft. It's knowing your skill. Well, that's it's you knowing. We, that's to, because we stood next yeah. to the camera and watched the actors instead right. of the monitor in another room someplace. Yeah. yeah. But you always were ready <laughs> to they do to move. You know, you know the follow focus or or the. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like when you start when I became an operator, you just right. You, you like, don't even really think about you it. You don't yeah. think about it. Let the like someone my DP wants to me says let the drive let the action action drive you like don't even think about it. Just let them drive you wherever you go, and that's kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were working on a thing called Cinemagique, which was for Disneyland Paris. It was to talk about all the different genres, you know, westerns and all these different things. Uh, and we recreated like a scene from a bunch of different movies. The rooftop on uh, the uh, one they just redid, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. The rooftop dancing, we redid mm-hmm. that. Singing in the kind of fun. A bunch of different Singing things. The and there was one where this this guy was dressed as a sheik for the old silent movies, and he had this, you know, like saber, and he's getting ready to do this. And he was, we were up on a scaffolding, and then there was a, um, a stunt pad for some reason. I forgot what it was. So it's the operator, it's Steve, and it's me, because I was the second I was getting ready to, to hit uh, the sticks and go. But I just stayed there for some reason, because he kept going like this, and he was... Not a well-known actor, but he was just a guy doing that. And I'm thinking, he doesn't know how to really hold on to that. So as he was swinging around at one point, it rotated. It hit the, the stunt pad and started to go right to his face. And I just reached out and I grabbed it. And he goes, holy shit. So after doing he goes, how did you know to do that? And I said, I just had a feeling that if he... Something was going to happen. If something was going to happen, he was going to lose it. And now it was plastic. But still, plastic will, yeah. you know, tear you up. And, you know, just the fact that I, at that moment, but I was like, I'm following it, I'm following it. I'm not uh, going to let that go. Well, plus you were concerned about yourself, too, because you're yeah, underneath it. You were underneath them. So like, yeah, but it's, it's just those things, right? And instinct plays a lot yeah. of that. You know, watch out for this, listen to that. We're talking about voices. You know, I could hear, even today, if like I, I visit someone and I hear latches, they're oh yeah, yeah, like the break on the dolly. Yeah, that's right. That's true. You know, there's there's yeah. those there's sounds that everybody. Uh, yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. that. Or when you, I think everybody knows that, right? Yeah. I mean, every camera assistant yeah. or operator, you know, somebody is taking the break off. Yeah. yeah, when it comes off, it's a little louder because you know, mm-hmm. you usually just let it go. Yeah, so. just certain sounds, and then obviously with, when the, the track break. needs a little. Well, and voices, and, and you know, always voices. there are voices that you hear, and, and, yeah. and oh, yeah, no voices. matter how noisy it is, there are certain voices you tune into. Yeah, I almost yeah. liked it before walkie-talkies. Yeah, you know, I mean, because like. But we never did walkie-talkies later on. Later on. In the beginning, we didn't. But in the beginning, we didn't. And I liked the fact that, you know, I'd I'd hear, okay, let's move on. So I'd move back to my lenses, my lens cart, and I would sit and watch, and he'd say like this. And I knew that was a 27, and I was at, or he'd say 27, maybe a 35, or I needed this. So it was easier. It Mm -hmm. was quieter, too, I think. And we just had a way of working that allowed us to just be efficient. And sometimes I think the walkies get involved. Mm-hmm. Well, but some, I can see where crews need them because they're not next to each other. Like if you have if you have somebody outside, obviously, right. they, oh yeah, obviously they that, need, that they, makes it better. I mean, they need to have a walkie talkie. Well, but you guys have been had used walkie talkies a lot for that kind of stuff. Camera was kind of new to it, is what I'm yeah. saying. We now, I mean, the last movies I did, I had two. I had one for my crew, and then one headset for the cameraman. Yeah. You know, and that really gets like. I really hated that. I really, especially hard. when you're in the middle of a shot and they're like, I pulled in that other guy. 
or change the stuff. And you're like, what? You know, well, I'm pulling I, focus and yeah, you're I had one film open a quarter? What? I had one show where the DP I was operating and he wanted me to wear a headset. I did not have a mic where I could talk back to him. Big problem. So anyway, before we start the scene, the director would come over and tell me something that he wanted me to do. Like, oh, dude. And, and I would set up for that, and, and the director and the DP were not in the same frickin' tent. Right. So on the mic, on the headset, I would get, no, 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 Steve, you know, like I, you know, go back to what I told you. And I couldn't say to him, no, the director wanted me to do that. So I made the mistake of listening to the DP a couple times, like, you know, until the director would come over, Steve, what happened? You know, like, and I'd, and I'd point to my headset, you know, and then he realized it, it was the only job in my career of 40 years that I was fired off of because the director knew I wasn't listening to him and I should have been. I should have just taken the headsets off because, and unfortunately, I didn't get to the point where I could sell, you know, I said, like, this is not working. You know, like, I didn't get, I didn't last that long yeah. because right away the director's, well, he's not listening to me. And, and I wasn't, you know, yeah. and I should have. But anyway, I learned my lesson on that. So. Yeah, but but you know, now that everybody has them on, I just get tired of the chatter. That's that's the thing is uh, uh is is keep the for me having the headset on because for the other than I always had a bounce board. You know, I looked at the bounce board in my yeah. hand, so I was always he was always directing me then. But the the cameraman and the gaffer talk non-stop the whole day and i got to listen to all that yeah, it's that's like tough. oh that's it's rough, just painful yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. that's rough yeah. yeah that's why you know it's like any chance i get i pull it out and just i, I don't want to hear anything that's yeah. what i'm saying as far as camera goes it was nice not to have that yeah no i would love to I mean, that's the only time i had to do it and it cost yeah. me my i worked on uh, uh, i was telling you this story and i lost track before but i was on a tv show and i went to push dolly for a couple months i was telling you i was trying to think of it i think it was remington steel was oh, that yeah. show and my uncle was the key grip on it that's when i was telling the story about oh, telling you but telling everybody like, yeah oh, no, about, no, the, about oh. the it's uncle larry why how did you <laughs> let you said that that's uncle larry but he went to radio shack and got walkie talkies so that the grips would just sit at the carts and he would call for because he said every flag he said every single thing so they would just bring him stuff and so he got them radios because he didn't want them on the set just hanging out he wanted them to stay by the equipment production and so that was the first time i ever saw a walkie-talkie on a set yeah and it was uncle larry had them and they were radio shack little kids things yeah and uh production took them away from him because they said that uh, grips were just hanging out by the equipment they wanted them on the set paying attention wow well, what, see that, that they might have talked to him first. That's what I want them to do. Wow. They're more useful to me. So I always go back to that. I go, man, I remember the first time I saw a radio in production took them away from us. I can't believe that they had the nerve to do that because that's what he wanted. That's the way he worked. Uh, he wasn't very well liked. Oh, that didn't help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It was one, Sorry, more, reason, one more reason to mess with him. Yeah. He was the key grip, actually, on the Waltons was his first. Oh, wow. I'm talking about getting thrown in. He wow. just got out of the Navy. He, he got into the business. He signed up to get into Local 80, then, got, then went in the Navy for three years and got out of the Navy. And I'm trying to, I, oh, he was cutting hair. He was a hairstylist. And um, he was cutting hair. Post-Navy, you mean? After the Navy, after, yeah. Okay. 
And he get a, got a phone call from local 80 saying they were hiring. Was he interested? And he's like local 80. And he, they said, well, you came down here and filled out the application <laughs> like whatever. Another life and ago. he went in and he, uh, he, he told me a story about the very first, they had the very first Pee Wee Dolly. And they couldn't figure out because the, the legs folded oh, and all of a sudden. He said everybody was so confused. They were trying to get a shot and nobody could figure out how to get it on the track. And it was like he's telling the stories about back when, you know. And, and he was very unqualified, but the, he was a big cowboy. He had a big cowboy hat and wore cowboy boots. And I guess the cameraman, he was just one of the hammers on the show. And the cameraman asked him if he'd want to be his key grip. And he said, sure. And he had no idea. <sighs> Because he, he was really he the, looked the part. <laughs> yeah, he looked the part, yeah. and he got the job. And he and but he, he's you know as the years went on, and I watched him work, I realized like I was way better than he was because he really <laughs> did not get lighting very well at all, and he was really slow, and he never was a dolly grip, so he never did you know he never pushed dolly. And he you was, had all those skills because you had been doing it. And yeah, watched. yeah, yeah. No, I, I well surpassed him, but he was a really good rigger. Uh, and and that was a job for him. He missed his calling, huh? Yeah, he missed it. Well, he got it in the end. <laughs> in the end, and he retired yeah, on it too. He became a rigger. Yeah. yeah, but that's there's a case in point why not coming up through the ranks is is not helpful. I mean, no, it, he was it, it he helps floundered. He yeah. he hired uh, some good guys was what he did, and that's that's exactly what I did when I got my first. I had a whole crew of key grips that weren't working working for me. Yeah, uh, friends. You know, uh, which was really helped me. They they kept me calm. They said, "Listen, you just go stand by Jan. We'll take care of all this other stuff." It's like, okay. <laughs> but that's why I tell people that are going to shoot stuff for the first time. Like I I know guys that have just they're operators and they want to start shooting and never have. And then, and and I said, well, one, if you weren't paying attention, and then if you didn't, if you're not really a DP. Get yourself a good gaffer and a good keeper up, and they're going to save your ass. <laughs> yeah. Tell them what you want. You know, you know, you can line up a shot, and they'll just let them go. Yeah, the gaffer will go light yeah. it for you, I mean, pretty much. If I you mean, want. I just did a show, Puckhead, the TV pilot, last November, and uh, and I didn't have a very big crew, and uh, but I got a, a guy that was a gaffer. He was pretty new, and and I could tell that he understood it, and I stayed by the camera and, and he was off and running and, and you you took over for, I took over for one day was, I said he'll take care of you yeah and just and tell him what you want and there was one time I mean I got there and lights are all set up and he goes what do you think I said I think it's great but let's take this down a little yeah, bit he, he understood the story and, and if and if I didn't like something like or he would we were in this bar like where we were adding colors and stuff and I kind of let him play. If I didn't like something, we'd take it away. But for the most part, he was all over it before I even said anything. Mm. Yeah. I said, that's what you get. You get people that, that are passionate and understand right. it. And, they're and I think that works all the way yeah. down the line, works right from Absolutely. the line producer putting a crew together. Yeah. Uh, working on these Marvel movies, that was a pleasure because they only, they got the best of everybody. Okay. And best production people as well. Uh, Working on this last End Games, uh, it was such an amazing group of people. It, it's like the highlight of my career, and it was my last job, and it was so it's unbelievably talented group of people. It was just like wow. Good for you. Who was the good DP? for production? I mean, they yeah, really enjoyed. Yeah, but good for you. I mean, yeah. the way you left was on a high note. It oh, was yeah. good. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't end up who, doing who a television the DP show on for. Uh, was Trent Oplock. Okay, okay. Yeah, and he did the last three movies that oh. I did. I, Avenger, uh, Captain America, then, oh, cool. uh, and then the two Avengers. Um, 
and the, the two Avengers movies, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't the favorite on Captain America with the production staff, and I really didn't want to uh, do that again. And the, and the directors asked Trent, will Michael Koo come back and let him know we're going to do two movies back to back? And it worked, they were trying to, like, under, you know, don't tell anybody, but, but we want to come back and we want you to come with us. And I said, I told Trent, I said, who's production? going to be and they said well it's the same I said no nah, I'm not going to do it what, makes, what in your role what does production do to make your life miserable not let me do my job is pretty much the yeah why uh, why, would they do, why would they do that I mean, and what, how can they do that or what way they well they can, they can just uh, uh, here, here's, an, here's an example that you'll probably understand uh, you're working. You're doing. You're doing uh, Infinity Wars, right? It's going to be a. It's going to cost five hundred million dollars to sh- to film the thing. These movies. You go in to turn in equipment list, and she wants to know. She says this whole movie's handheld. Why do we have dolly track? And so you're 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 looking at. I'm like, really? You're you're really going to ask me? So she says, yeah, this whole movie's handheld. We don't need dolly track. But we have dollies, yeah. but, but we don't need dolly tracks. So like, okay, so now I got to go to the DP, and I got to say, so, you know, we're not going to have dolly track. And it's like, he's like, you know, what? And now he's <laughs> got, I said, yeah, we're not going to. So now he's got to go to the director and say, so, you know, we're not going to have dolly tra-. and 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 their directors are like, what do you what do yeah. you even come at? Yeah, and so it become, and now it becomes like <laughs> oh well, Michael Koo, what have you done? Why did why did the why is it and the directors chew out somebody? Yeah, because what the what the hell the grips don't have you know it's like something so simple and silly and cheap becomes like it's like <laughs> cheapest, what, and what do I do? It's I'm the cheapest like, thing oh, on the set. How do I do this track? And and even even like when I started the show. Uh, you know, they, they bring me in and, they, and we're talking about sets and how we're going to rig sets and how we're going to shoot green screens. And, and, uh, and I, was, I was told in the meeting in front of everybody how I was going to do my job. And I was like, oh, okay, this you know, I don't produ- mind. Production meeting? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I was told by certain people how I was going to do my job. And it's like, well, do you want me to, like, that's really expensive. I said, do you want me to do a budget and show you a couple of different routes we could go? And they said, we've already decided how we're going to go, and it's exactly what we told you we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, it's the, and it was like totally not the right way to do it. And it cost them a fortune. That's and, very smart. And, yeah, and, and in the end, they were, even the people that decided on it were like, what have we done? Because it cost millions of dollars. Isn't that why you and hire it, people that know what Yeah, and, I was like, and they were, everybody's in the room when I said, oh. Okay, all right. And everybody was there like, wow. Everybody's like, probably going like, like... And we've heard that story from yeah. other key grips before. It's like, no, this is... I'm telling we've you. Ar- we've already decided. Yeah. Well, I mean, the story about the, the track, to me, it reminds me of a person, whoever that he or she was, that that thinks they know enough about it, like about how, the, you know, the hand. somebody said handheld. Oh, well, I know what Dolly Track is. So like, it's the one thing on the big list that I can 
step up and say we don't need because yeah. I know just enough about it like to put my foot in my mouth. That's what it sounds like, even though this is the cheapest thing we could have. It's like, I'll keep the dolly, but I'll get rid of the trash. So that's how, that's how my, my relationship started on the movie. It's and it tough. never, never got better. It never, ever got better. And uh, it got to the point where they, they, uh, they were talking about me in the office with the big producer. Uh, and I was like, oh, I'll never, and then, but then the directors asked me to do two more movies, and I said, well, and I'm thinking, they're, and I said, no, I, I just like, I'm not going to go through this again. And, and so the they directors said, don't know and, what you're going yeah, through. Yeah, and, and the cameraman asked why. I said, I'm not going to work with that production staff anymore. Like, there's just not worth it. So they and didn't it, know what you were going through. Yeah, apparently. no. So the, then, the, then the cameraman told the directors, uh, why and the and the directors knew that there was issues and then once that it came out and then he came back he goes they're not going to come back so he made sure he let me know they're well, not going to come back especially if they it cost oh, them a million dollars extra oh it, it was it was That's... crazy it was crazy what it cost and it was great and you know what the the thing that they asked for doesn't even work in this industry hardly at all anymore everybody's realized it but you know you know, they you thought, don't, who knows they why thought they, they thought they knew and they wanted to interject their, you know, what's really funny is they, they wanted to use, uh, uh, and I, and I proved it to, they wanted to use air walls. You know what air walls are? They're, no, they're, they're pretty cool. They are a great thing. It's just a, a giant, a giant air mattress that's 30 feet tall and, and, uh, and 30 feet long. Um, well, they're 20, 25 feet tall, but what you do is you put them on containers and you blow it up with fan, you put fans in it, it blows up and it's so rigid you could walk on it and you hang screens on it, green screens. Mm. And uh, what's really cool is if you don't want to use a green screen for a shot, like if you just want sky, you just deflate it and it just goes to the ground and, and it's out of your way and you shoot. And then if you want the green screen, you turn the fans on and poof, up it comes. Now it, it, it they built them originally to travel around. They'd cut the top out of a 40-foot trailer or, or a bigger trailer even, the biggest trailer, and they'd put them inside. And you'd drive them around, and you got an instant green screen. You'd just mm. drive the trailer in, turn the fans on, and you got a green screen. You could put two trailers together and make a longer one. So we did one. It was uh, 800 feet of those things. Oh, wow. And I said, well, why are we using, why don't, you know, it's permanent for the whole movie for, for four months. It's going to, four or five months, it's going to be up. Oh. So it's super so, expensive. So they're not that portable then? I mean, no, this was in a, this was just making a permanent fi installation. Oh, so locked in. Oh, yeah. So first off, you have a green screen out in the sun for four months. You're going to replace the whole yeah. screen in a couple months because it's going to get bleached out. It got rained on. So there's one thing that's super expensive. You have to have a crew that runs those things uh, every time you go out there. Um, and then the biggest reason they wanted to use it and we go on a scout for this 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 reason was, and this is what uh, their excuse was that they wanted to be able to deflate it so they could shoot just sky. And I go, okay, that's that's a reason to use it. So we go back there and they deflate it, and it's a forest. <laughs> so I go, well, that it doesn't it doesn't help because there's a forest of trees right there. So we got to clear the forest back more. And now I'm going with their thing. They want to shoot sky. So we got to cut, so let's cut some more trees down. And we sat and we figured out, you know, okay, so with the visual effects, okay, we need to cut down another 50 foot 
of the forest back because they cut down the forest to make the Already, to yeah. make the, the, the shooting area. They never cut the forest down, and we never deflated the walls. So they used these things and spent a fortune. Interesting it. to me that they'd find a place. All the locations you can, where you needed to cut down any of the forest. I mean, well, they the, cut down the. It was. It's on a studio lot. Oh, it's just oh, on their sure. property. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was that, at Pinewood. That makes sense. Pinewood. Yeah. And they, for every tree they cut down, they planted two oh, okay. uh, somewhere else. So they, they, yeah, that was part. I mean, of they're it. locked into the areas. So yeah. Yeah. That makes and that's sense. their big. They they use it on so many movies back there now. So it kind of it was a small area, and they made it bigger and bigger because it had to be an airport. Um, oh my airport, gosh. so it was really big, and it had tons of equipment and stairs and plane parts, and um, it was an airport in Germany that, that it became. Wow. Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. Thanks for tuning in to our Film 5.0 podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our webpage, thefilm50.com.